Welcome back to the flip side, Galen Clavio, Brian Moritz joining you. Brian, uh, we had to take a week off. We're back. Uh, it's uh, it's been a fun week off. I'll say that uh, we welcomed uh, another child into the world on our end of things here. As uh, my second daughter was born last week, so. Uh, that's where I'm coming from for this podcast. Where are you at? Um, well, uh, congratulations. First of Thanks. all, before we get started, congratulations to you and Katie and Eris. And glad to hear everyone is going well. I mean, I didn't miss a beat last last week. In fact, normal time, I just came down here in, in the laundry room and just started talking into my computer for 45 oh. minutes and nobody listened and it was good. So, I mean, I, for me, I didn't miss a beat. That was a great episode of the flip side that nobody heard. But um <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, but it's been good. I mean, it's, we've no gone through, it's no different than all the episodes that haven't recorded that we've done over the years, that, right? That, that's true. I just pretended that Skype was giving me problems or Google Hangouts was giving me problems like it normally does and, uh, and everything was good. So, um, but no, it's been, uh, it, we, our, our semester has finally started this week. I'm actually back, back to work. Actually, oh, con- congratulations on earning, earning some money. That's good stuff. I know. Yeah. I know. It, 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 it's wonderful. Like I, I woke up Monday. I'm like, oh, I have to go to work today. And my wife shot me the dirtiest look I've ever gotten. And like, yeah, that's fair. I can't even complain about that. So, uh, yeah, no, I've, I mean, I've been back at work for, this is the end of week three. And on the one hand, it feels like it's been no time at all. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I actually, I, I did not miss a class, uh, because the, my, my wife gave birth basically the morning of Martin Luther King day, which okay. is a day off. And then I teach Monday, Wednesday. So, um, I was actually able to go back and teach my normal classes on, on that day. So it was one of those interesting things where, I didn't skip a beat, but at the same time, I was I was at about fifty, maybe forty five percent capacity on that day. Okay, uh, you know, so it feels like it's been, on the one hand, no time at all, and on the other hand, this month has seemed like three months in terms right. of roll length. Yeah, absolutely. So, but it's been a but uh, but in the interim, we've got some uh, interesting stuff that has come up in the sports media world um, that I know we wanted to 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 get to and to talk about today and uh uh being in indiana you're kind of close to the epicenter of probably the biggest story in sports the the larry nasser sentencing and 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 the uh the dramatics uh and and the continued revelations of everything that's happening uh and been going on with the u.s oc and with the u.s gymnastics and with michigan state um and so i guess starting off i mean what are your your you know first impressions for a case like this it always feels like such a glib way of putting it but just in terms of i think we were gonna we specifically wanted to talk about the way this has and this hasn't been covered uh by sports media and it's just interesting for you because the indie star was the one that first broke this story back in 2016 so that really you're at the epicenter of this so what's it been like locally the coverage and kind of comparing it nationally yeah no i mean mark alicia uh, who's an iu alum was one of the investigative reporters who broke the story with the Indy Star, and you know they've been on it from the get-go. And you know I've been watching this kind of drip out. And I remember my sister was big into gymnastics. I mean, she wasn't she didn't compete much beyond like the high school level. But I remember talking with her about this when these revelations first came out. You know, about a year and a half ago, I guess it was. And you know, I kept waiting for it to catch fire to some degree, and it really didn't until. The, you know, right before the sentencing, when you know the, we knew what the, the, you know, what the charges were and what the, you know, what the, what the guy was looking at in terms of jail time potentially, and you know the, what's been interesting is this is where Twitter creates a bit of a false sense of what's going on because certainly on my timeline, it's I've been inundated with you know, story after story of what's gone on in the courtroom with the, the victims coming forward and talking about the abuse and, and, uh, and addressing Nasser directly has been really compelling stuff. And yet it seems like it hasn't really gotten very much coverage at all. I mean, it's gotten very little coverage on ESPN mm-hmm. outside of outside the lines now has finally picked up on it, but they've been, they've almost picked up more on the, Hey, Michigan state, has not been helping the federal government with the investigation angle as opposed to the abuse angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, you haven't seen it on Sports Center very much. You haven't seen it in other venues. Fox 
hasn't covered it at all. I saw something today where right it hadn't been covered on any of the Fox networks and their explanation for re- the reason why was well we don't cover gymnastics. Um, okay, you know, and so I, I've been really interested in why that divide has occurred. Uh, mm-hmm. You know why why we've seen. You know, Twitter and, and social media, especially, have really picked up on it and really run with the story. And and yet, you know, a lot of the traditional media venues, even you know, a lot of a lot of print outlets. I mean, you know, I mean, the the, the Indie Star certainly deserves special credit, and the Detroit Free Press has picked up on it a lot. But but even though you know, like outlets like the New York Times, it hasn't really gotten a tremendous amount of traction. Mm-hmm. And it, it has been interesting. And like the Fox, the Fox thing was amazing. That was on awful announcing did a piece on it today. I think it was. And uh, they, uh, how they did it was brilliant. They downloaded and searched closed caption transcripts. It might've been Deadspin. I'm sorry. I think it was Deadspin that had this, um, but they, they downloaded and, and searched uh, closed caption transcripts of all their programs to find that there was, n- they never mentioned it at all. ESPN's coverage has been, s- here and there like they did a great story on it i think a week ago a big uh, a big centerpiece story on it outside the lines tony reale has been speaking out about it a lot on around yes. the horn but also you know and i've been uh, i've been needling them on on twitter about this but pti has mentioned it exactly once and it was yesterday and it was kind of a you know i can't believe this has happened type deal thing and it was after the sentencing came around um and and, and i've been thinking a lot about this i'm going to be writing a piece um for my site and now your site too, um, about why this hasn't been co- about 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 the coverage of this and kind of thinking about it from my angle of how news is constructed and news values and all that. Um, and you know, I don't have a great explanation for it, but some of the things I've been thinking about, um, especially because the easy parallel to this is Penn State is the Sandusky story there. Um, and I and the only the only differences I can see are um, for one. And this is an awkward thing to try to say, so I have to try to. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it. Is that the the uh, the crime that took place here, while horrible, was less kind of deviant and less oh my god shocking as the Sandusky case, which I I, I see for those of you who aren't watching this, Galen kind of disagrees. That's not a. I'm I'm not. I'm not saying that's a driving force in it, but I do. Are you think saying that the crimes aren't as deviant, or that they're perceived as not perceived? Being as deviant? Perceived okay. as not as deviant. I just oh, wanted gosh. to make sure. No, to yes. Yes. No. They are. They are. They. They are absolutely horrible. But I don't think there's there's a perception that what Sandusky did was more awful than what. Nasser has did. I think. Th- I, I think in some circles, on some level, for some people, that's not. That's not all sports writers. That's not all people. I think. But but I do think that 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 plays a little bit of a role. I think you have the idea of prominence here. You know, would Sanda? You know, first of all, it's Penn State football versus USA gymnastics. To be, you know, do, how much do mo- most sports fans pay attention to gymnastics? once for for two weeks every four years this is i should say and i need to make this clear i am not trying to justify the decisions it's more an explanation like why isn't this captured the attention the way that that it probably should have um but i think that 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 prominence has it you know when you have penn state football that's obviously a big program and i and i had a thought experiment i had earlier today that i was thinking about is do you think the penn state story is as big as it is without the paternal aspect probably not i think that exactly i think yeah i mean and 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 it's interesting that you bring up the paternal aspect because it provided a very well-known public face to a story that kind of needed a public face attached to it right and it wasn't just that paternal was there but it was also that you know, Sally Jenkins interviews, I think it was Sally Jenkins that yep. interviewed him and, and, you know, he was on TV a lot. Um, so I, I think to some degree, yes, that, that certainly that, ha- that played a role. I, I think there's some other things too, but I want to f- let you finish first. I mean, I, I mean, I think that, that, that's a lot of, I, I think that's most of it, you know, it's okay. kind of the, this prominence of, you know, that this perception of what Nasser did was awful, but what Sandusky did is, oh my God, aw- it, it, it is, is more awful. The, the, like the prominence of, Penn State football versus USA gymnastics and just the um, 
And I think the paternal factor, it just kind of adds that that level of and I think too that le- the, the, the paternal Penn State factor kind of led to a certain um, hypocrisy being exposed, right? Like Penn State was the we are Penn State. We do, you know, the Penn State way and paternal was lionized before this. And so that that's a certain bringing down, whereas, you know, the USC and USA Gymnastics, they don't have that level of public adoration you know people people know the olympics are corrupt so right. you know maybe to this level or not but i don't know and, and i don't know i i'm struggling to i, I i'm critical of the coverage obviously because it should be it should be stronger but i i don't know i'd love to hear what your thoughts are on on some of them well i think i mean the first the what i've seen postulated that it's because it involves women instead of men i don't know if i totally buy that i, I mean there might be something to that in the initial lack of coverage but i don't know we never heard testimony or court records nearly as vivid in turno sandusky it's just the sandusky case as we did with this one and so i I don't think i don't think that that's it i could be wrong uh you know i mean that's that's something that i don't know that I'll ever really be able to, to say for certain, but my, my gut instinct is it's not that. I actually think to some degree it's not as shocking as the Sandusky story is because yes. the Sandusky story already happened. I think if this story happens in 2011 and Sandusky happens in 2017, then maybe the roles are somewhat reversed here. I mean, certainly mm-hmm. you've got the paterno factor involved that that amplifies things because of, of that. But from the standpoint of the outrage, I think that that's part of it. This idea that we've already had this like god awful child sex scandal that existed in collegiate uh, the collegiate and amateur sports world. So therefore, we have another one, and it's just not going to have the same sort of reaction. I also think that it, to some degree, and this might be the ultimate answer, this is a much coarser media environment than it was in 2011. In as much as the you know the political media is so completely encapsulated by this red state, blue state you know the 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 media world versus Donald Trump the Russia investigation all of this has has kind of changed the calculus where it's hard for certainly news stations even though they should be covering this as a really big time news story it's hard for them to tear themselves away from the the crack drip that is Donald Trump coverage long enough to actually send a reporter or two down to actually cover this and really give it the attention it deserves because the people that are tuning in just don't grasp or connect with the relevance of this story in their own lives, which is a sad commentary on a lot of things. But if I had to take a guess, I'd say that's why it hasn't really penetrated the larger news marketplace. And as far as as far as the sports marketplace, I mean, Fox, whatever, I'm not even going to pay attention to them. But as far as ESPN's concerned, I almost get the feeling that ESPN is recoiling so badly from anything that isn't like between the white lines of Hmm. sports that they are really uncertain of how to cover a story like this without it coming across as, as political. Right. And, and I don't, and, and so, you know, if you think about the way that, I mean, there was a story today that, that, you know, ESPN is going to likely divest itself of 538, and you know, I didn't and, see that. Yeah, like that. That that you know, they're looking at the big lead had a story on it. Uh, they're looking at either you know selling it outright or transferring it to the ABC News division or something like that. Hmm. Um, and I and I thought of that, and I thought to myself, well, maybe there's something to be said for this idea that ESPN just looks at this and they say, well, this is obviously a it's it's obviously a story. But is it a sports story just because it involves gymnasts and the USOC and this guy who was a doctor? Is that a sports story? Because it doesn't, in their mind, again, to clarify, in their mind, does it really involve stuff going on on the field of play? 
So that that might be an explanation worth exploring with this. Right. And and another one that's kind of wholly unsatisfying but also possible is it the story, you know, as it's kind of unfolding now, not, you know, we'll we'll, we'll leave aside the covering it from when uh 2016 up until now, but in terms of the the coverage in the past 2 weeks. I mean, in terms of sports news, Sandusky happened in November, which is kind of a dullish, you know, lull time in the sports calendar whereas you have now it's you know, a, a, the uh, the AFC NFC Championship games were last weekend. NBA all NBA's just talk is all over the place. Baseball hot stove and Hall of Fame. So there's a lot more stuff like that going on. It is interesting to see, um, especially like ESPN and a lot of the coverage now picking up. Now that we're getting into investigating organizational malfeasance. So now we're doing a lot of what did Michigan State know and when did they know it and what did the USOC know and when did they know it? And, you know, the reporting of that about what Michigan State knew and didn't do is horrifying. And the response right. that they've had is terrible. But it is interesting to note. Again, I, I'm not going to try to ascribe motives to the media, but it is interesting to note that when the coverage of this is picking up, when it's not a an acute accusations of sexual misconduct, but now kind of an organizational misconduct. And I don't that, it's just interesting where like where, where like they cover the accusations and they're there and then the trials come. But now that we're looking at what now it's like the the Watergate thing, right? What did they know and when did they know it and what did they cover up? And now that's the, the stories that 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 get dug into. I think that's I that's just an interesting kind of like commentary on it. I yeah, think. no, I think it's a very a, a good observation. And I, look, I think that it kind of gets to the heart of the problem with this story as a whole. You know, everybody's been asking. You know, why did it take so long for this to be uncovered? And why wasn't there uh, something in place at Michigan State that would catch it? Why wasn't there something at the USOC? Why wasn't there something at, at USA Gymnastics? And, uh, you know, even even going down to the coverage of the Michigan State president who just resigned last night under fire and the coverage of the trustees. And if you look at the statements from those people, they seem so incredibly tone deaf. And the coverage of this story has seemed so incredibly tone deaf. Mm -hmm. And it's it's almost as if what you're seeing right now is, is a phenomenon you and I have talked about on this podcast at times in the past, which is uh, almost like a different landscape in online media that's pushing the story on online media. And it has now achieved enough sentience Salience is the wrong word, but you get what I mean. It Almost is achieved, salience, yeah. It is, salience is, is actually what I was trying to say. It has <laughs> achieved enough self-salience that it doesn't need the exterior news cycle right. to, to propagate itself. And to some degree, it's now able to more fully affect the, 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 the traditional news cycle, which is what the politicians who are on the board of trustees and the president of the university and the people that run the, the USOC, that's the cycle that they... They're all on. Like, mm -hmm. I firmly believe if you read through that abomination letter that the Michigan State president put out, that is, those are the words of a person who doesn't understand what happened to her, mm -hmm. who doesn't grasp why this has become such a big deal and assumes that it is a witch hunt. When in fact, what it is, is a response to an angry group of people online who have managed to, to, you know, create a, a level of, of existent anger outside of that, that they now have to address it. And, and I think that this is, this is really what I find fascinating about this case is that it's, it's almost entirely spun up on that level. And mm -hmm. it's going to, and it seems like it's going to continue to spin up on that level because, you know, while it continues to get some oxygen from places like outside the lines, almost all of the oxygen it's actually been getting has uh, has been from the journalists that have tweeted out the stuff, the original journalists who did the reports at the Indy Star and tweeted out their stuff, mm -hmm. and the messages of the victims and the and the survivors who have used Twitter as the you know their primary vehicle to get the word out about what they're saying and doing. Right. I, 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 I feel like it's interesting, too, that we've been wondering, I think we talked maybe on this this very podcast about when's the Me Too moment come into sports? Well, it's here. And well, I, I, yeah, I feel no, like I, I feel like we were it, it was interesting to think about the and, and, and that's kind of a, a weirdly interesting thing that, you know, this story didn't hasn't gotten more attention because of 
the Me Too movement. Um, certainly, it's it, it, it's helping you know get the get get the survivor stories out and 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 encouraging them to speak. But it was interesting that you know all you know a lot of sports media was like, when's it coming to, to sports? When's it coming to sports? And it turns out it was right there all along, just kind of waiting for it to, you know. I guess I, I, I and I guess part of it is the way media work. You know, you had to come to some sort of, you know, specific point and conclusion where he's pleading guilty and being sentencing. OK, I, and, and there's like almost an event that they know. can peg it on. I don't know. It's I don't know if this is a Me Too movement, though. This is not only is a, mo- a moment. I mean, I don't think this is the Me okay. Too moment for sports. I think it's different. I th- I don't think people are looking at this. The broad news uh audience i don't okay. think the broad yeah. news audience is looking at this and saying this is harassment of women i think okay. the broad news audience is looking at this and saying this is harassment of children okay and, and i think that there's a distinction there between say the nfl network story where we just saw two more executives resign because of sexual uh, harassment allegations and 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 this story where I feel like it's it's got a much more like basal societal level uh, element going on to it. I actually think the Me Too moment in sports is still coming. Uh, I, th- I, I think I just think this is a different door that's been opened. That, that, and that's a valid point. Yeah, it's a door that probably I don't understand why this wasn't opened with the Sandusky thing, right? You know, and what's fascinating about that story and how it relates to this story and the coverage, like a lot of people have argued that they don't understand why the Michigan state president has been so tone deaf. The, the board of trustees, like they don't know the, the USOC, they don't understand it. And they just, they don't seem to grasp the, like the, the bureaucratic inertia mm-hmm. that occupies a lot of these places where the idea that you would purposefully go down a path where you would put yourself in, in, in harm's way uh, is just like anathema to a lot of how these organizations work. And most of them, and this is where I'll close on this point, most of the messaging that we see in media, particularly sports media, is generated and comes down from people who have business ties to these same bureaucratic organizations. Right. You know, like the idea that there was going to be a lot of independent reporting about the USOC or about Michigan state athletics and their complicity and potentially harboring a child molester. Like that would require some level of independence on the part of the, of the, the news organizations covering those places. And that's just not what you get. And I hope after Penn state and now after this, that people start to wake up and say, look, I don't care what our business relationship is with this school or this organization. You cannot afford to just take their press releases and take their, their games and their events and just put them on without any questioning of any of the structures that underlie them. Cause right now I don't think you should trust any of them. Right. Agreed. Well said on that. So anyway, so if you have thoughts on this, uh, folks, feel free to tweet at us. Uh, we're, it's, I think it's fascinating. And I do think that, you know, from the standpoint of how this stuff gets into the news cycle and, and where it goes and how it gets there, uh, it's something that we're all, to some degree, prisoners of the media that we consume. Mm-hmm. You know, what I see is going to affect the way I think it's being processed, just like the way that Brian sees things is affected by what he's watching. And your perspective may be different. So uh, always open to hearing what people have to say about this. Yeah. Anyway, let's go ahead and pivot off of that now that we've started things off on, on such a lighthearted note. Um, <clears throat> well, let's, uh, what would you like to talk about? Would you like to, like, just let's take an interlude here. Yeah, relax for a little bit. What are what are you drinking these days? So, uh, so so for beers to the flip side, uh, tonight I am drinking uh, Trader Joe's sparkling lime water. Um, but yeah. the, my uh, the beer that I can recommend from this week that I had this weekend is the Lieutenant Dan India Pale Ale from Warhouse Brewing. Uh, they are based in Geneva, New York, in the Finger Lakes, not far from where I live. And uh, had it this weekend up in, uh, in we took a family day in Syracuse and took my seven year old daughter to World of Beer. And it was fantastic. That's great. Um, and uh, it's a, it was a it, it, I, it, it was the point where we were looking at the menu and I was helping my wife pick out a beer that she would like. And then they turned to me and like, oh, Jesus, I have no idea what I'm going to drink. And so went right to the IPA and the uh, the waitress was helpful and pointed that out. And it was very, very good. It was a, a good, full, hoppy flavor with some good citrus 
uh, good citrus flavor in it. And um, I'm I'm putting together a, a a beer beers of New York State that I'm going to be bringing to you in April for IAX. And uh, this is probably going to be one of them. I think you I think you'd really dig it. So that's the Lieutenant Dan India Pale Ale from Warhouse. Excellent. Well, are, I'm not, are you are you drinking beer at this point in your life right uh, now? Well, I, not yet. But I, um, it's coming soon. Um, I wanted to go ahead and talk about this, though. Um, it, rather than have a um, a beer of the flip side, I wanted to note that uh, one of the biggest hassles that we talk about occasionally on this podcast. Hold on a second. There we go. The Gannett Company decided to do an autoplay video. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Uh, but one of the biggest hassles that we occasionally talk about because of my geographical location is the fact that of all of the states in the union, I live in the only one that does not allow Sunday store sales of beer. Okay. It's been, uh, it's a, it's uh, a prohibition era law that's never been repealed in the state of Indiana. We might actually be at the precipice of getting this stupid regressive law gone. Oh uh, there my are, there goodness. Are, there are actually two separate bills that have passed, uh, one in each of the, uh, the the legislative houses of the state of Indiana, repealing the ban on Sunday alcohol carryout sales. Uh, now they okay. still need to be reconciled, and you know they'll they'll just probably choose one of the two bills and send it along. And the governor says he's going to sign it. Um, it would allow alcohol sales at a variety of stores from noon to eight p.m. on Sundays. So, so you st- you'd still have to wait till noon, but it's better than waiting till Monday. Right, exactly. Okay. So right. I just that'll be my entry for beer. The flip side, if that law passes, I I will buy some beer and I will bring it and I will talk about it on the flip side. And this this will make your impending visit to Indiana that much better if you happen to be here on Sunday, which you may not be. So which it, w- w- what's really great is that I could see you just buying like Budweiser, but buying it because you could buy it on a yeah. on a Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. I'm just I'm just gonna just grab whatever. I grab some some I don't know, duels. Some, Yo, duels. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if I can. Now that I think of it, I'm not sure you can be even buy non-alcoholic beer on Sundays. So, so can you buy like Robitussin on Sundays? You can buy Robitussin on Sundays. Okay, so it's just alcoholic. So, it's, is it any all alcohol or just beer? Any alcohol you can't buy unless you're at the place that it's made. So you can buy. Oh. So okay, so you can also I, go to a bar and. I was going to say, is, okay, so you could go there. to like Apple. You could go to an Applebee's and have a bar, a, a beer. Yes, but, or a brewery, obviously, but you can't go to. You could go to CVS and buy okay. alcohol, or you couldn't go to a liquor store because they're all closed on Sundays. Gotcha. All right, so it's a Chick Fil A. It's a Chick Fil A situation out there. It is very much a Chick Fil A situation. All right. Anyway, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, actually, before we get to that, a little interlude. Uh, I was reading this article the other day. Uh, go, it's kind of pivoting a little bit to the food side of things. Uh, and I, I texted you this. There was an article uh, that's been floating around Facebook, which uh, talked about In-N-Out Burger, the, yes. the famous West Coast burger joint. And they claimed that they pay their managers something like $160,000 a year in salary. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to get your initial reaction to that. Well, I texted you my initial reaction. Like, <laughs> I'm in the wrong profession. Are you kidding me? <laughs> More than triple my salary to manage an in and out burger. Yeah, I think so. Now, is that I, I I saw the headline or I saw it on Twitter. Is that legit or is it like yeah. you can't? Oh, so okay, so it's le- legit. Do they all make one hundred sixty or can you make up two? Like I know in and out, they're they're well known for I believe treating their employees really really well. Like they've been paying above minimum wage or a higher wage than than minimum wage for a while. I believe I might be making that up, but I feel like I've read that somewhere. So it's, this isn't hugely the the number itself is shocking, but in and out I think is well known for being a good an employee friendly company. Yeah, they, no, they're very highly rated. Um, you know, they they pay above minimum wage in California, which already has a high minimum wage. Right. And, um, you know, that the, what what they said in this article. Um, let's see. Um, I'm looking at it now. Um, the the according to the California Sun. Um, yeah, they they'll pay employees earn at least thirteen dollars an hour. Plus, they get a 401k, paid time off, health care plans, employee discounts. Um, but that 
the the managers they talked to, I think, uh, claimed that the, that they they were making one hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year, and that's I it's it's pretty interesting, you know. I mean, I yeah. think that the idea that it, it's there was a great meme that I saw. It's, so that's the average yearly pay of its restaurant managers. I'm looking at it now. That's okay. the latest numbers from from the. So chain. that's the average. Yes. Yeah, so it could be less, but it also could be more. Could be more. And that's that's compared to a typical architect in California who makes about one hundred and twelve thousand dollars a year. And right. you know, there was this great meme floating around, you know, where uh, the it was like, you know, go to college or else you'll be flipping burgers. And and then you know the, right? <laughs> the same face below. It's like get off your ass. McDonald's is hiring. You know, we're in and out hiring in this case. Right. Um, you know, but it's interesting. I mean, that's uh, that's something that certainly caught a lot of people by surprise. Yeah. So so anyway, uh, let's go to something else that caught people slightly by surprise, which was the rebirth of the XFL. Which I don't know. Is there a sports league that? people wanted less than the xfl at this particular juncture in time maybe the world hockey association um i feel like just for the novelty people might have been in on seeing the world hockey association but it's like do does anybody want more football at this point no um and you know i i, I think it was uh, drew magry tw- tweeted out today by the way if, if we hadn't had this as a topic this would be my internet outrage or whatever that i didn't participate in because i've never watched one second of the xfl i don't even think i've ever seen an xfl highlight highlight um but um but Magri quoted out, here's a reminder to all young people that the uh, that uh, the XFL sucked or something like that. Like it was it was really re- I mean, it's it's guys who aren't good enough to play in the NFL. Now, think about the quality of the NFL that we've seen this year to the point that the Buffalo Bills are a playoff team. <laughs> and now we are going to look at the minor leagues. And also what I love about it is the one thing that I have noticed today is that the basic selling point of the league from Vince McMahon is our players are going to stand for the national anthem. So you can already see where this is headed and this is going to turn into, you know, I believe I, if I remember correctly, like the XFL had great ratings week one and then right. it just, um, you know, and I'm sure that's what will happen this time. If they get it off the ground, there'll be a huge novelty, you know, Vince McMahon for all his many faults is a heck of a self promoter. I'm sure our president will get involved and be very excited about this. Um, and then, yeah, I, well, it just seems like I, I just don't grasp. I, I read through, you know, I watched the video of the announcement and I read through the articles and I just, I, I, I have yet to get a real sense of why, like, what was right. it? That other than Vince McMahon's ego, which granted we know is pretty sizable, uh, you know, like what was what would be the rationale or the reason for relaunching the XFL at this point? And well, certainly, like particularly the way that they're doing it, which is not the XFL. I mean, the, you know, I, I did watch the XFL when I was that age. That was actually, I think, that was my senior year of college. Mm-hmm. 2000 2001 uh so like it launched that january i I can remember watching games i mean i didn't have it a memory of it being as bad as a lot of people have gone out of their way to claim that it was i mean it wasn't great but i mean hell if you watch mac football on tuesday nights you can't really complain about the quality of anything i mean hell if you watch big 10 football you (laughs) can't really complain about the quality of anything these days um i mean it was something different and you know it did actually do a few things that at least from a presentation standpoint kind of changed the way that we look at the game of football uh and i don't don't mean like look at it from a a philosophical perspective i mean physically look at the game of football on television right right um but but from the standpoint of why this would be done now it just it just seems unnecessary Mm -hmm. and uh you know the the idea that you're gonna have a small number of teams, a smaller roster number. You're going to play 10 games. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go up directly against the NFL. You're going to try to make the games short. And you're basically, it's almost like you're trying to turn this with the personal conduct thing where okay, we're not going to hire people with criminal records and um, they're not going to get a forum to, to stand on political <laughs> issues. It's like, I mean, is Clay Travis the assist- assistant commissioner of this thing? Is that the idea? I mean, are they just 
basically trying to appeal to to Trump voters and that's it. Absolutely. That's not really a viable strategy. I mean, oh, Trump oh. himself isn't a viable strategy to appeal <laughs> to Trump. Voters. I mean, I mean, I'm, I, I'm reading. I mean, the, the, what, what's so bizarre about it was the original hook of the XFL was the flashy cheerleaders and like the scrum in the middle and he hate and, and the different Jersey names. And it was like wrestling version of football. This is these are the features and you hit them all. Um, but I'll read them off. This is from the box on, on the uh, Darren Ravel story on ESPN.com. Features of returning XFL, eight teams to start, meh, 40-man rosters. That should be hyphenated, by the way, but anyway. 10-game season beginning in January, again, meh. Two-hour game time goal. Okay, I guess, sure, why not? Any player with a criminal record precluded from playing. Um, hmm. Wonder what, wonder what subset, what section of the, uh, of the, uh, of our population that's aimed at. Pers players won't receive forum to take personal stance on social issues on the playing field. Gee, it'd be, it would suck if a guy like JJ Watt was in the XFL and you trying to use his personal, use that forum to raise money for hurricane relief. Hmm. I wonder if I mean, that would be okay. I wonder yeah. if patriotism and, and stand standing for the, they, they have to stand for the anthem, but they won't receive a forum. You know, this is, this is, this is the clay Travis football league. This is the, this is the, we, we, we are going to, um, this is a Trump voter league. Absolutely is the market that they're going for. Um, I do like that. They're not actually going to play until 2020. Um, so here's you a thought. They, well, well, no, I think it's cute. You think they're actually going to play at all? Well, but, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't. But here, here, here's my conspiracy theory. Here's my move. Uh, January in 2020. Um, I'm, I think they delay till 2021 opening day, January 21st, 2021 new commissioner and league owner, Donald Trump. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, okay like wishful liberal thinking, but at the right, same point, right. well, I just look. I don't. There's nothing. There's nothing in like wrong with structuring your league so that you can appeal to a particular group of people. And I guess the idea here is, well, conservatives won't watch the NFL, so they'll watch the XFL. So, that, but I mean. Honestly, if I'm a conservative and I'm so turned off by the politics of NFL players, which that's a, another issue altogether. But if that's if that's my perspective, I'm just watching college football because I get a lot of these things in there right. already. I, I get, get players. Right. I get players who can't use it for a political you know, platform. And I get right. I, I get higher quality football. Right. And so I just, again, I don't understand why. And, yeah. you know, Vince McMahon's not a dumb man. I mean, he's 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 a guy who's. He's figured out how to appeal to a group of people and, and make it stick. And I guess what I find fascinating is if that's the, the demographic he's really going after. I mean, the number of people, regardless of political stripe, who enjoy WWE and, and enjoy professional wrestling, I mean, it's, it's sizable. And mm -hmm. it cuts across the political divide. It cuts across generational divides. Uh, this just It seems like for a guy who that's been his business – for so long, uh, this seems like an odd area to move into. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, I don't know who who woke up this morning and thought, man, if the XFL came back, that would be Brad. Well, I don't even so much mind that. I mean, it's like, it, I, like a lot of people have said have, have gone on that tack, and I get it. But it's like, I, I don't mind the fact that they're going to try to come back. I mean, hell, there's so many sports on these days. I actually, I am kind of intrigued by this idea that McMahon talked about that they don't need TV ratings. Yeah. That, that they're going to use all these different types of media to get this out there and they don't need a TV contract. I think he's going to find that that's not correct, but, uh, but, but, you know, the, the idea that, you know, from a revenue perspective, basically, and from a popularity perspective, you don't need that. Um, you know, yeah, that, that, if he, I, he works out a deal with YouTube or something like that to stream games, it's, it'll be an interesting experiment. Yeah. I think this, I think this is a, a poor horse to ride on for that <laughs> particular idea because, I just, again, I just don't see the marketplace for it. Um, you know, it'd be much more interesting if like a rogue soccer league came in and said, you know what, we're, you know, screw MLS. We're going to do things like the Premier League does and we're, and we're not going to go with traditional media partners and see what the result is there. But right. I just, I think, I think that would have more of a marketplace in the current environment than this does. And that's saying something given that this is football and that's soccer. Right. I agree with you. So. Anyway, um, 
we'll we need one more interlude here. Yep. So you are taking over all of uh, my old spots here because I haven't done anything <laughs> but but uh, hang out but, with but, baby and my and my but, wife for the last couple of weeks. But, so, but take care of a brand new living human being. So right. yes, slacker. Um, well, I got to do everything here. I have to, I, I have to drink beer and cook food jerk. Um, I'm, I'm impressed at your things that you do now. So we'll talk, <laughs> talk about the things Our blue apron substitute. of yes, the Yes, this is, this is, this is actually Brian's blue apron substitute of the week this week since Galen's not, uh, not, you know, only taking care of living things. Um, but I have, uh, we, I got an Instapot for as a Christmas present, so I've been using that more lately. And the Instapot, I'm sure you know, I'm sure you've seen it on Pinterest, but it is a it's a pressure cooker, slow cooker combination thing, combination, all kind of like a five in one kitchen thing. And I've been using it, and it's actually quite. Um, I, I enjoy using it. I'm getting some really, really good results out of it. You know, I'm learning, you know, there's a learning curve in what you, how you use, not just how you use it, but what it's good for. You know, what I think what's funny is in my mind, there was like this weird thing where like, it's an, it's an all in one, you throw everything in and you cook and it cooks and you can do some things like that, but not really. And also the instant is not, it, it, it's not like super fast or like tonight I did some chicken thighs in there and they took about as long probably as if I had cooked them and the, if I had, you know, broiled them or sauteed them or cooked them on, on, on the range or whatever. But there is something about the, there, there is something nice and hands free about it where you can, it, it, you get, it's a nice almost, and it's a combination I found of like the, the, the all encompassing like marinade, uh, I'm trying, I don't know the words, but like you have all the, uh, uh, like, like the meats and the meat and your aromatics and your sauces and everything in, in one kind of compact thing, but without having to do a six hour slow braise or a three hour braise or a six hour slow cooker on it. So I'm having some good results. I will say it is, a, it's also a, a rice cooker and I've never gotten better rice than I have out of this thing. So um, if you are, not at Galen's level of cooking, but at mine, where you're trying to to expand and get better at things, it's it's I, I I'm I'm enjoying having it. So we have an instant pot. Okay, I didn't and, know. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I, so, I figured you could go either way. You could love it, or you could think you you could roll your eyes at me. So I uh, I am always willing to try kitchen gadgets, and my mom got us this for Christmas, like two years ago, and we used it a couple of times, and. Didn't use it much after that. It kind of sat in the in the, the cupboard unused. And then before, uh, or actually this Christmas, my sister got us one. And I was like, actually, we've got that. So we gave that one to her. But she also got us some books, uh, some cookbooks that had recipes for this in it. Mm -hmm. So I'd already like tried to get my wife to use it a bit more and she suddenly discovered that she loved it and loved making stuff in it loves making soups in it mm -hmm. uh loves making uh all these different dishes and she's actually found that there's this entire infrastructure of facebook groups that is they're just all devoted to instapot recipes. oh it's a it's a lifestyle yeah yeah and and you know it, it's interesting it, reading about this company i don't know if you read about the background of this thing no. But the guy was like in a completely different industry and he quit his job and, and started making these with a friend of his and they never did, you know, they, they basically, they sent a bunch of them to chefs and to culinary magazines in New York, like four years ago, and they started getting some positive press and then people started buying them on Amazon and Amazon has almost entirely fueled this company's growth, like to some ridiculous extreme huh. to the point that like they, they keep having to upgrade their manufacturing processes and stuff like that. So it's, it's really a, a very cool story that the background of it, if you want to go and check it out. That sounds cool. Yeah. So, uh, we are both fans, so they don't sponsor us because nobody does, but they should. So anyway, I wonder what an instant pot uh, sponsorship, how, what, 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 like how that, what form that would take. That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah I know. That, that, there, there's a quick release joke to be made there, but I don't really have it on, in me. So anyway, anyway let's, uh, let's finish off with Bob Costas. Mm -hmm. No longer excited about football. Yeah. Uh, so Bob Costas, of course, the, the longtime host of a bunch of different things on NBC, certainly probably best known for his Olympics 
coverage, but also known for uh, football. Certainly, he's you know he's been on Football Night in America for for a long time. Uh, not going to have anything to do with the Super Bowl this year. Super Bowl's on NBC, and not going to be hosting any of the coverage or doing anything. And this was kind of greeted with some surprise. Um, but the articles that have come out on this, uh, there was an article in Sports Business Daily, uh, which which claimed that Costas was not going to have anything to do with either the pregame show or the broadcast due to quote his own dampening enthusiasm for football. Um. He said, the decision was mutually agreeable, and not only do I not have a problem with it, I'm actually happy about it. I have long had ambivalent feelings about football, so at this point, it's better to leave the hosting to those who are more enthusiastic about it. Hmm. And, and, and he had a longer message where he basically said that, uh, I'll just read the. it's not that long. I've been making the same points for several years, often, to end, often all on NBC, in halftime commentaries, interviews with Roger Goodell and other prominent NFL figures appearances on CNN and elsewhere, I have addressed the issue of football and its undeniable connection to brain trauma many times. Why? Well, because the evidence is overwhelming and the effects are often devastating. It's the elephant in the stadium at every game, whether others choose to acknowledge it or not, and it's not going away. So the idea that I'm only now finding my voice on this or that NBC was taken aback by what I said at Maryland is just wrong. It's all simple and straightforward. That that was referring to he had made a, some statements in at Maryland uh, regarding him not him not being excited about football anymore, and NBC said that I guess they were somewhat surprised, which apparently they shouldn't have been. Okay, so I don't know. I thought I thought this was interesting because yeah, you know, this is you know been one of the really steady figures in sports media in the United States for several years now, like decades, mm-hmm. and right. basically coming out and and not wanting to have anything to do with you know, the single most watched sporting event in the country right. is is a pretty interesting uh, stance to take. And I mean, he doesn't need, it's kind of like Wright Thompson quitting Twitter. I was like, just about to make that same point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but it is still interesting because this isn't, uh, he's not it's, gaining anything by this. Right. Right. Yeah. He's not like making it, you know, he doesn't lose anything, but he also doesn't, you know, necessarily have anything to win here. Um, yeah. And look, I've been a cost to say, you know, when I went to college back in 1995, I wanted to be the next Bob Costas. I mean, I was a Costas fan throughout high school, you know, as much as high schoolers had favorite broadcasters back in the 1990s, but I was a Costas guy. Like I loved him. I love, I, I watched him all the time. I read about him. I just, I, I, I really respected him and I still do, you know, um, and, uh, and, and, and look, he's been doing this since the 1980s, seventies, eighties now. So he's at that, at that stage in his career where it's, it's, it's generally more normal to start cutting back. He's not doing the Olympics. Um, he's, he's cutting back off of the Super Bowl as well. I, I, I do think it is interesting to kind of take the, you know, really f- clearly frame it as a moral issue and really kind of frame it as a, I don't want to do football because I, it's, it's not. It, it, it's a dangerous sport and, and, and because, and the CTE and the head story and by making that clear and not kind of as an ancillary, yeah, it's time for me to go. And then two months later, he gives an interview and says, yeah, I don't really like where the football is. You know, there's something to be said for kind of, you know, for lack of a better phrase, putting your money where your mouth is and saying, I don't like what the sport is. I don't, you know, now that I, especially now that we know what we know about it and, you know, it, it keeps getting worse. You know, I, I don't know. I, it is an interesting, it is an interesting, uh, tack to make it's a tact. Um, I, you know, it's one of those interesting things that's not going to move the needle much. I don't think one way or the other. Um, but I, you know, you know, I, I guess good for him. I mean, he, you know, he's, you know, as far as, like you said, as far as principled stands go, you know, this is, you know, low on the totem pole let's be honest because a principled stand comes when you have you stand to lose and costas is pretty well set but it is it is noteworthy i think that that you know this is a direct thing he's not having anything to do with yeah the biggest television show of the year the single biggest uh most viewed television program um that 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 is ever that 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 airs every year and he's voluntarily taking himself off of that I bet he'll do the XFL, though. That would be baller. 
no. No, it's it's interesting, and no, no, good good for him. I mean, I it's always it's always it shouldn't be unusual when people stand up on principle, right? In media, but but it always is kind of a surprise, and so uh, good 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 for Bob. I think that uh, it is. I, I would be interested in learning how many other people in sports media, prominent people, share his lack of enthusiasm for football. Yeah. I it think would that's be a great I, question. Yeah, it'd be something that would be worth even anonymously hearing about from people. Yeah, so, I agree. So anyway, well, I think that'll wrap it up for us. Any final thoughts from you before we uh, be part for this week? I, I, I'm looking forward to the Bloomington team in uh, the XFL. I think that would be a uh, you know I'm looking forward. You know, as, uh, you and I can be co-owners of that. We can be the Bloomington flip side. I think we're, we 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 can really uh, we can really change the paradigm of football. I mean, it's worth trying. I, I uh, particularly since, uh, well, I, and, and actually, I would violate XFL rules. I would sign all players with criminal records and right. say that they have an open social platform for whatever message that they want. <laughs> you, uh, I, I was. We'd have look, look, Vince, Vince. He, he, he's a wrestling guy. They need a heel. We would be the heels. Yes. yes, I like that idea. Well, Vince wants to own it all for himself, but uh, I don't know if Bloomington's the right spot for that franchise. But uh, I'm sure we can. <laughs> We, can I, well, we find Oswego, someplace warmer? Like, yeah, please, I was going to say. Not, no, Oswego is not going not to be warmer. the location either. No. <laughs> no. Let's, let's, I, I want to, we got to play games in January and February and March. Like, I, I want to do that somewhere where there's actually some sunshine during those months. Fair. Fair point. So, anyway, catch us at Flipside Pod on Twitter. Catch us at BP Moritz at Dr. GC. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. And, we will be back sometime next week. I don't know mm-hmm. what, they, what my or recording days are all messed up right now, but we'll figure something out. Anyway, for Brian, I'm Galen. Thanks for listening, folks. We will catch you on the flip side. So long, everybody. All right. Beautiful.